Welcome to Lead, Travel, Pray in 2019. Happy New Year. We have Sandy Schneider, Rebecca Ellis, and Michelle Strike with you today. It's a new year. It's a fresh start. And um, part of what we're here to do today is um, dream about where our lives might go in the coming year and, and talk about opportunities to put those plans in place. However, for some people, um, they look at New Year's resolutions as really positive. We have good intentions. We get excited about possibilities and what can happen. Yet the reality is that only 8% of us actually achieve our New Year's resolutions. And I don't know. I feel like that's kind of on the high side. <laughs> so, what is that about? That's part of what we're going to talk about today is um, how to be more successful in managing through a New Year transition and thinking about um, maybe how we bookend uh, a particular year. So before we jump into the new year, let's t talk for a minute just about how we ended 2018. So um, Sandy, how did you book in last year? You know, it's funny. I have a tendency to just jump right into the next situation. And in this case, jump right into 2019 without doing probably appropriate reflection on 2018. And as I was thinking about this, um, I, I coach clients to absolutely do that, to reflect on where they've been, what successes that they've had, to celebrate the small wins. And yet, I have a tendency to not do that myself. <laughs> uh, it seems every year I think to, this is going to be the year that I write a holiday letter and send it out with cards in December. And I have yet to do that. So um, I certainly have an opportunity to focus more here. Yeah, what about you, Rebecca? Anything in particular that you do to bookend a year and did just a few days ago? Yeah, good question, Michelle. I have to say I don't have any kind of standard um, contemplative processes that I go through. I know many people kind of suggest that, um, making lists and uh, making plans. I did actually make some goals that I wrote down for myself this year and I have to say that's the first time I've probably put it in writing in a while, which I think will be helpful. Um, this is the, 2018 anyway, has been the first year that I have not had a new role in a company in about three years. And I've been at my current role for two years, but I had a, a job change last year there. And um, I feel like it's been a pretty consistent year for me, a lot kind of going on, a lot of busy global travel, big events with the kids, with my oldest turning 16, and so some major milestones, but I feel like um, I've been a little more reflective, I guess, in the last couple of weeks, kind of thinking about as that sunsets and writing that little um, kind of, you know, Christmas card greeting, what's been going on, how, how everyone's doing. And so probably those are my kind of normal processes, sort of communicating out to the world my aspirations. I've got some goals to read two business books a month, so I put that out in writing, and now that's real, and others are going to help hold me accountable. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's just kind of a point in time. I also have a birthday in December, and I think that's really, for me, more of the milestone than the beginning of the year, just to say, okay, another year gone. What do I want this year to be? And it wasn't a milestone birthday, but I'm close to one that's kind of a milestone. And so I think those are probably, for me, the more reflective points. 
Yeah, I like that. And good for you for writing down your goals. I'm not a list maker. You guys know this about me, so I don't really (laughs) make lists going into the coming year. But at the end of each year, I do take time to kind of reflect on uh, what, what I thought went well. You guys know that I have done gratitude journaling for about three and a half years now. So I would say that I just kind of take an even greater step back at the end of the year and think about what what did 2018 look like from a big picture perspective and um, just try to be grateful. So I've referred to last year as kind of my cocoon year. I feel like I was kind of in this safety space. There wasn't a lot of change. There wasn't much drama or upheaval. And having gone through many, many, many years where that was not the case, I really sat back and appreciated that and feel like 2019 will not be a cocoon year at all. And um, so I took some time to reflect on and see in my spirit, um, how did 2018 settle with me? And then what do I feel the Holy Spirit stirring in me that it might look like in 2019 as I kind of prepare for something that might be different? Way to go, Michelle. I love hearing you share that because my year-end reflection where it does happen is tied simply to my corporate job and the fact that I have goals at the beginning of the year and I need to report out at the end of the year um, how uh, I did in reference to those goals. And so while my corporate work life has some reflection at the end of the year, I have been dismissive of the totality of my life. And I appreciate you sharing how, how you reflected at the end of the year. And I love that you named it your cocoon year. Nice. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That just kind of came to me as I thought, oh, this year has been really safe. And um, I know that sometimes I can covet safety and security. And I feel God really pushing on that and pushing me out of my comfort zone on that. So I thought, oh, I know he's going to rip that cocoon out from underneath me. <laughs> I appreciate it. We're moving on. Um, so Rebecca, we have a guest speaker that I'd love for you to tell our audience about. Excellent. Thank you, Michelle. So we absolutely are really excited to have author Dale Crankamp with us tonight. He's joining us on this episode of Lead Travel Pray and recently released How Long, O Lord, How Long, a book of devotions for the unemployed and those who love him. So he's had some really great blogs that I've been reading and just have really enjoyed his positive messages of faith-driven personal change. A little bit more about Dale. He's a human resources professional, a lot like Michelle and Sandy and I, of 40 years who has served as an executive in the healthcare industry and as a head of a successful consulting practice. He also has served as a volunteer leader on a number of boards as well as in his home church. He's experienced a personal journey of unemployment twice when in both cases his positions were eliminated in an organization restructuring. These personal experiences have created a desire within him to help others impacted by unemployment through inspirational devotions. We're super thankful that Dale is able to join us for this episode and know that he's going to have a lot of great insights to share with us. So, Michelle, if you want to ask us our first question of our first guest on a Lead Travel Pray episode. Yeah, thanks, Rebecca. So, um, Dale, I know the reality is that for many 
of our listeners, 2018 was a challenging year. They did not have their cocoon year, whether it be job loss, uh, troubled relationships, loss of a relationship, maybe loss of a loved one who passed. Um, So I'm curious, what was one of the hardest things for you in becoming unemployed? First of all, let me say thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be with you. Um, Related to the hardest things for me probably were twofold. First, it's the loneliness that you run into when you become unemployed because we lose the community of people that we work with. So most Mm -hmm. on a team and with a group of people, if you think about most of us in the day we go into the office or whether it's a construction site, a school building, it doesn't matter. We probably say hello to five to 10 people on the way in in the morning. All of a sudden, that group of people isn't around, the people you work with. And so you spend a lot of time by yourself. I'm extroverted, so that was an added burden that I just missed being around and connected to people. So I dealt with loneliness, and that's not an abnormal thing. Uh, The other one was a little bit difficult to adjust to a different rhythm of life. So in your rhythm of daily life, you have a rhythm of what time you go to work, when you do what you do, how you do it, and all of a sudden you take that away, um, and there's this big void. You have to create your own rhythm of life, and so it just took a while to adjust to a different rhythm of having some freedom to choose what and when, but dealing with just the reality of a different rhythm of life no longer being employed. Yeah, I think that those are good perspectives. It also makes me think that um, my guess is people who go from working in a more corporate or office space to working remotely and working from home experience some of the same things that you're talking about from a loneliness perspective. And certainly some of the retirees that I talk to really struggle with all the free time and how to go to such an unstructured life that they really kind of flounder because our work provides so much structure that I think that we take for granted. Absolutely. In fact, I talk to a lot of people who are working either from home, as you said, or they're in business for themselves and spending time pretty much remotely. And uh, some of them struggle with that and say, I miss the corporate life. I miss that connectivity daily with people. Yeah, my friend Sandy and Rebecca would definitely be on that page. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the, the point that you made, Dale, about mm-hmm. um, being an extrovert and, and needing that interaction with people and how that impacts our energy level. How did you deal with that in the transition? How did you get the social interactions that you needed to, to keep that energy level where you wanted it to be? So I did a lot of networking, spent a lot of time, cups of coffee uh, with folks whenever I could. And so I usually tried to build that schedule as robustly as I could and then tried to do some volunteer things here and there so that I was out doing other things because it's really easy in job loss to make it be all about you. And the there's more in the world than just about you. And so Um, Some of the best days were days I was doing something that really served somebody else, not just me. I think that's a great point. A lot of times it's just um, finding our purpose, right? And sometimes in a corporate world or in a a job situation, we, we make our purpose so much about what we're showing up and being paid to do. And there's so much purpose we could find in the world that actually has a, even a greater good or a greater cause. So that's very, very good and good reminder, very noble. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, we also have our identity tied up in what we do. Mm-hmm. Another really difficult thing for somebody who loses their job. So I was used to saying, I am Dale Crinecamp. I'm the head of human resources for mm-hmm. employed. How do you introduce yourself? What do you mm-hmm. you do? Um, so work wasn't the most important thing in life, but so much of our identity is often shaped around our vocation. And so people that become unemployed struggle with that identity crisis. Who am I now? Yeah, I can relate to that just on a very, very small level. I went through a training program years ago that was talking about how much our identity is tied to our roles and they forced us to go through a one minute introduction and we could not discuss any role in our life. (laughs) (laughs) vocation, parent, child, friend. We had to talk about other things. Oh my gosh, that was so challenging that it really brought to mind how much we wrap ourselves up in those outward facing um, roles and vocations that people identify with. So Dale, I'm wondering what keeps people in your opinion who lose their job from moving forward? Um, I So when somebody loses their job, one of the first reactions they have is really twofold. One is anger. So you become mad at this happened to me, whether it's you're mad at your boss, you're mad at the organization, but there's anger that people hang on to and and have trouble getting through. The other part of it is they spend a lot of time asking the why question. So why did this happen to me? Why me? I'm looking around and seeing other people. Why wasn't it one of them? Why is it me? And those are natural. The challenge becomes when you get stuck in the why and in the anger. We've got to get past it. And so you really need in a very healthy way to get it out. So it's okay to be angry. Get it out. But you have to get it out of your system so that you can move on. Um, otherwise, you're continually look, looking backwards. And if you're looking backwards, you can't move forward. And it shows in people. So the people that haven't let it go, you can tell in 60 seconds of having a cup of coffee with them that they haven't let it go. And so you got to find a way to get past those. Do you have anything that personally has helped you move forward and kind of keep your momentum going? Um. So I think for me, it's just been a discipline to just continue to move forward. So not getting content to just not have anything on the schedule. So I've continued to work to build structure into an unstructured world. And yet at the same time, working to give myself permission to adjust from that. Mm-hmm. So in the work world, it's so hard to say, gosh, I'd rather go do this today because you have so many meetings you have to sit in or things you need to do that it's hard to give, you know, you just don't do it. So all of a sudden you've got all this time and at the same time you're saying, but I've got to find a job and you really stop and give yourself permission to say, you know what, this is a good day to go to the park with my grandkids or this is a good day to play golf or this is a good day to go have lunch with my spouse or whatever it is. Um, We just need to do a better job of giving ourselves permission. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I appreciate the perspective about um, enjoying the place that you are and um, not wishing it away is maybe how I would say that. That um, I think that that's the perspective that you can take to any situation is that nothing, in my opinion, is all good or all bad. 
we have to shift our perspective in the moment to kind of appreciate it and say, I might not have a job today, but I can go to the park in the middle of the day and enjoy the pretty weather rather than sometimes I'm looking at it from my window thinking, oh, I just wish that I could be out there even for an hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, perhaps some of us move forward and run into the next year. And um, part of it, I think, comes from us honestly wanting to run away. I think that the problem with trying to just bookend a year because December 31st comes and goes and not really paying attention to what did happen over the last year or several months, what is the toll that that took on me? I think that it catches up with us and our emotional well-being. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't just um, go to bed because the calendar changed from December 31st to January 1st. So Sandy, I'm wondering during those um, tough years and tough times, how has your faith helped you to navigate through those particularly tough times? It's absolutely my faith that has been critical in helping me through some of the most challenging uh, personal experiences that I have had. Um, It's leaning on my absolute belief that God has a plan for my life and that plan is perfect and it's going to work out. And secondly, that it's all about his timing. So often when I have, when I look back on it now, once I've been passed through those challenges, um, oftentimes those challenges came from my unmet expectations around what I thought was going to happen, what I thought my plan was, and I was committed to my plan and it didn't work out, and now I'm in this bad situation. Or I wanted it to happen today and it didn't happen today and now I'm upset about it. Um, And if I can be wise enough to let go of my plan and my timing and rely on his, I'm more likely to be able to Um, be able to move through that challenge in a more efficient manner as opposed to uh, getting stuck in those doldrums. Yeah, so I I really like what you say, and I think that that's why um, Jeremiah 29, 11 from the Bible is one of my life verses around um, knowing the plan he has for us, and that plan is good. And I, um, I completely agree that oftentimes what gets us sideways is thinking that we have all this unmet expectation, and that somehow the, the time or the year something went wrong because it didn't look like we wanted it to look like. Mm-hmm. And um, just because it didn't look like what we wanted it to look like doesn't mean, honestly, that there's anything wrong. Sometimes there is, but it doesn't always mean that way. But, oh, my gosh, it just feels that way. Yeah. And I think that that's where uh, we get robbed of our joy of moments like Dale was just talking about where you can take your grandkids to the park on a December day that's unexpectedly warm because you have some free time that it's like there's joy in um, some of the small moments if, if we choose to look at it that way. And um, that's how my faith has also helped me to get through those tough times is to say, for example, um, when uh, my dad was in the final stages of cancer and we knew that he was going to um, 
you know, pass sometime pretty quickly, my thought to myself was, what do I want to do with this time that's left? How do I spend time with him to where I don't have regrets and make the most of that time and experience the joy and the laughter for however long I had? And um, I, I can't say that that was easy for me to do all the time, but it was one of those conscious decisions that it was like, okay, I can choose to grieve him the whole time he's alive for however many weeks I have left, or I can choose to be in the moment with him. And I can tell you that, oh my gosh, we had so many just sweet, precious moments because of that. And I would say that there was nothing in me that had the wherewithal to get there on my own. That was my, my faith in God and my faith that his plan is good and that this was part of his plan. And that part of that was also enjoying what he had right in front of me. Was it the version of my dad that I would have chosen if God gave me a magic wand? Of course not. But um, I wouldn't trade those moments now for anything. So that's where my faith has kind of helped me navigate through that. I think you make a great point, Michelle, and that's a a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, It's really very impactful. I think one of the reasons I've had an aversion to even writing down goals is because it's like, who am I to make the next best plan? Like God mm-hmm. is a much better planner than I am. Every time I think I'm going to outthink him on the next plan for me, he proves me very wrong in that. Right. So I think that's, that's the thing. Like we um, hear so much about, you know, being a blank slate and we do bring our whole selves with us. Like we don't get to leave that at the door just because it's December 31st. But um, it's also not truly a blank slate in that we get to write our story, right? Um, So Mm -hmm. that's a a really good reminder. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I I think as I listen to you and think about the the goals for 2019 and kind of how to reflect on um, 2018 or another year that didn't go as we thought it would, um, one of the things that I've had to just reconcile with myself and really be okay with is the fact that I do have to grieve. And um, probably during that that time period of um, a, a lot of people dying in my world, I learned how to accept grief and joy simultaneously. But I had to be willing to grieve in order to experience the joy. And I don't know if any other listeners out there have experienced a time like that, but I couldn't get to the the joy and those moments of really experiencing my dad without really allowing myself to be really sad. And, and as you said, Dale, angry and all those other things that come along with, wow, this plan that I thought I had doesn't look like what I hoped it would, that um, we, ha- we have to be okay with all of that. So, um, Dale, I'm wondering from your perspective, how has your journey so far impacted your faith? Wow. Well, as I listen to the three of you, there's so much wisdom around the table there. It's just really neat to, to hear that. And, and I would say, as I think about my faith in this journey, it tests it. Um, it stretches you because mm-hmm. we often think we control more than we do. <laughs> All of a sudden, you don't control things. Um, that's when it gets really anxious. And so then when you can latch on to God and say, but I know he has a plan for me and nothing in this world happens without him letting it happen, then you can at least relax a little bit and put your attention on him and then things get a little bit better. But I'm not going to say that it's not 
it's easy all the time. It's not. We all have those up days and we have those down days. And, you know, you talked about plans unfolding. You know, in the book of Isaiah, it says, for my plans are not, you know, your plans and your ways are not my ways. And I can tell you, uh, absolutely, I did not dream of being unemployed twice and writing a book about being unemployed, you know. It, um, but I also believe faith is an action. And so um, we show our faith in how we step out. And so for me, it was to take the opportunity to say, okay, Lord, I want to be faithful. You took care of me during these difficult times. Now, how do I use that and, and help share that with other people that they who are going through a difficult time might know you better, might be drawn closer to you because it's in those most difficult times that his, that his grace um, comes to us. Um, and so it, it's not easy, but well, I don't know how people would get through it if they don't have it. Mm-hmm. Gail, I love that you, that you just shared the value that you're placing on sharing your testimony and uh, how your faith is carrying you through the situations that, that have been dealt to you. Um, that has been really impactful for me when I've had some really challenging situations and I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with them or I'm not sure how I'm going to work through them. When I've had the opportunity to hear from others, their testimony, their experiences, their challenges, and so often their situations were worse than mine and their faith appeared stronger. It makes me question myself, okay, wait a minute, where am I putting my time and energy? Am I putting it into my plans, my timing? Am I being selfish there or am I letting it go? And am I putting my faith in him? So thanks for sharing that and for sharing your testimony with, with many others. Thanks. It's a, it is a joy to do it. It is, you know, you have to put yourself out there. But what I find is then people know you've been in their shoes mm-hmm. and there's something we often think we're always alone. You know, that's a natural thought is, gee, I must be the only person going through this problem. And we're not. And when we talk to others that have is when we can gain some wisdom from them um, that somebody else has been through it, that's, uh, that's taken that walk, um, that journey too. Yeah, I, I like so much of what you said, Sandy and um, Dale, your perspective and what you were saying about um, f- faith. Faith has an action component to it. Otherwise, it's not really faith. You're not doing anything with it. I've been reading this book about love, and the premise is that um, God is love. And so if we really have faith, we need to be out there really loving people, not just talking about how we love them, but showing them how we love them. And I think a lot of it is sharing um, the good, the bad, the ugly that happens so that we are relatable, so that people know our experiences. And Sandy, to use your word, your our testimonies, so that they know who to go to that has walked through something similar. I think that it's pretty easy for us to feel so isolated and like our situation is so much worse than anyone else's when in reality, just not true. <laughs> and if we, um, if we found ways to get to know other people and love them well, I think that we'd find out that we're all much more similar than we think we am. We are. So true. Yeah. So as we um, kind of think about um, closing a year and um, relying upon our faith, our friends, our family, or for even some of us therapy, 
that can help set us up for success in the year. But for some of us, last year was great. And we want 2019 to be even better. And so we come up with these things called New Year's resolutions. And, um, but 92% of them don't stick. <laughs> so I'm wondering, Sandy, what have you done that's worked in the past to truly modify your behavior, whether it be for a New Year's resolution or not, but something that was particularly tough for you to um, really develop that discipline around? Well, let me start by saying that um, I am typically the 92% who does not keep my New Year's resolution past like the first few weeks of January. Um, but where I have had success in the past um, with essentially behavior change, whether that's happening at the beginning of the year or it's a mid-year decision that I'm going to do something different in my life, um, two components that have been really helpful for me are commitment to a schedule. So with behavior change, it's demonstrating the new behavior that's different from you, that's desired. And that actually takes work. It takes effort. And so is there a way to create a schedule around, I'm going to do this on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, or maybe I'm going to do it every day at noon, or maybe I'm going to do it three day, three times a day, whatever it is, create a schedule and then hold yourself to it. Create the reminders um, or put it in your calendar. And then the second thing is accountability from others. When I share my, my goal publicly, when I ask someone to meet me for that behavior, um, and it's hard for me to back out because I've been disappointing them and not sticking to my word, I'm more likely uh, to make that behavior change. Yeah, I like that accountability. That works for me. From a um, workout perspective, I just have to pay someone <laughs> enough money to where if I don't show up, it's pretty painful. Me too. Pocketbook, yeah. So that's that's the way that I've um, worked around that. What I would say related to gratitude journaling is a place where I feel like I developed a discipline. Um, research shows that small short-term goals are the most successful. And so I really did did not have any intention of setting out to do journaling for three and a half years. I set out to do it for 30 days. And the honest to goodness reason was because I was recommending it as a coach and wondered if it really mattered if you wrote it down or not. <laughs> so I set out to prove that you didn't have to write it down. <laughs> and that's why I did it for 30 days. So, so this was not a New Year's resolution. It was not necessarily a positive thing. But what I found is that it really does make a difference. And writing it down does help and really formulated that practice. And it wasn't just about taking that few minutes at the end of the day. It is really and truly shifted the way that I look at the day. I notice things and think, oh, that needs to go in my gratitude journal. Or I have this experience with someone and I thank them and I say, oh, this interaction or this experience with you, it's going to go in my gratitude journal tonight. And I get excited about it and I see their face light up as well. And so it's like a double whammy of gratitude. And um, that kind of uh, reinforcement has really helped me want to keep it going and tell everybody about it. I love it. You proved yourself wrong and are happy about it. I love yes. it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Rebecca, I'm wondering, some of us talk about in our faith, kind of reflecting on or praying about maybe a word or a phrase to focus on in the upcoming year to really um, center us. So I'm wondering, is that something that you do? And if so, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, the word for 2019 is limitless. 
And it actually comes from a conference of that theme that I helped our company organize last spring. And it, for me, really just um, pushes me a little bit. I'm, I'm maybe um, not necessarily self-limiting, but I, I let too much others limit me. And it's kind of that whole know your worth, your worth is bigger than you think it is. And so uh, limitless is, is the word for me for 2019. And I wish my bank account was limitless. That would be <laughs> the most awesome. Um, but I think there are many of aspects of my life that could be limitless if I uh, just um, have the faith that that's possible. Yeah. Love so it. how did you go about choosing that as a word? That's a good question. So it being the conference theme was like so in my face uh, last spring. And so when I started this year thinking about, do I need a mantra? Is there, I've had a family mantra for a while. It's kind of our motto of the way we live, which is experiences over things. The former math teacher likes that there's a little uh, math symbol in that. <laughs> yeah. Experiences greater Actions. than things. It's on the end of my um, Christmas card every year. Um, and so that's kind of been our family motto, but I thought for me personally, um, it would be helpful to have a word. And that was the one that most uh, resonated with me. And again, it already has a logo because it was a company thing. Um, so I had the visual in mind, kind of the energy of that conference still kind of carrying uh, me into 2019. So that's kind of how it came to be. It's a little borrowed. I like to believe in our space that it's better to borrow than re reinvent the wheel. So yeah, I like your word. So Dale, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but I'm wondering, do you go through any kind of practice like that where you have a word or a phrase going into a year? So I don't necessarily have a word for each year, but this year I actually do. So I've been spending a lot of time praying for direction. Um, so I, this is new to me. I've never been an author before. So I'm saying, God, what's the direction you want to take this? How are you going to use me? How is this going to impact the lives of others? What does it mean for me? And I'm just praying for some clarity and direction um, as we move forward in 2019. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. And um, I also do this. I would say that I started maybe about five years, um, kind of all throughout January. I spend some time praying and um, just really quiet to figure out, is there something in particular that um, God wants me to focus on in that given year, kind of um, get away from something or move toward something else? A friend um, shared every year with me what her word was, and I thought, well, if she gets a word, I'm guessing that God has one for me too. I've just never bothered to ask <laughs> because he wouldn't give it to her and withhold from me, right? <laughs> and True. so I, I thought that I would be quiet and um, listen. And so what I would say was a really, really cool experience a couple of years ago. I had two different words that I felt God gave me and I didn't tell anybody what my two words were. And then in about March or early April, I had a friend that texted me out of the blue and she said, okay, this is the second time that I believe that God has tried to give me, get my attention to tell you these three words. I have no idea what they mean, but I was doing dishes. And so I decided this time I'm going to stop and message you these words. Do they mean anything? They were two of my three words. Oh my goodness. Yes. Wow. 
And that year was a kind of a pivotal year in changing things for me. And so, I mean, you can imagine when I saw that text message, I just stared at the phone because there's no way that she could have known what those words were. She had no context to know what they meant. And um, that for me has reinforced that God does have a message for us. And if we lean in and really try to listen, he will give us some kind of clarity on what that looks like. And so for me, the word this year is change. And um, I know that my cocoon is, um, is going to go away and um, that I'm preparing for change. And so to your point, Dale, it's about discerning what does that look like and figuring out what the next steps are and not trying to control it. That's my goal is not control it. <laughs> I think you're going to be a beautiful butterfly. Oh, oh I like nice. that. Thank you. <laughs> So our um, final question that I'd just love for everybody to kind of do a lightning round here so that we see what 2019 looks like. So Sandy, why don't you kick us off? What are you most looking forward to in this year? So in 2019, I am planning a significant career transition to do something that I have never done before, and I am super excited about this opportunity. Oh, that's great. Rebecca? Great question. I am looking to take a longer extended uh, trip than I have frequently taken. Um, So usually my vacations have been a week or less, maybe 10 days, but I'm planning to take a bit more time off this year in a row, which will be new for me, and uh, give my my family a chance to have some new global experiences. Um, We're trying to take advantage of the time that we have still with our um, high schooler in the house, knowing that when she enters college, we get a lot less control over her schedule and uh, have to fight a little harder uh, for her attention. So hoping to leverage that the best we can exploit it this summer. Yeah, that's great. Dale, what about for you? You know, for me, I'm just looking forward to seeing what doors he chooses to open in this next year. So I know something's coming. I can just feel it and tell that it's there. I just don't know what it is. And I found that he's an amazing God from that standpoint. And uh, I'm reminded in Psalm 23 that when we go through a season of difficulty, in the third verse, it says he restores my soul. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to that, um, that little surprise that he's got waiting for me. I like that. There's a lot of hope in that. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And for me, I think that I'm looking forward to spending time with some people that I haven't really spent as much time with over the last few years and uh, making sure that I'm making time for those experiences and traveling to see some folks who um, I haven't been able to. My family lives at a distance, so I always prioritize getting there. So I'm going to um, rethink what my time off looks like. Don't worry, family, I'm still coming to see you. <laughs> but rethink other people that I can spend time with to um, make the most out of these experiences. So whatever your goals are in 2019, we wish for you the courage to dream big. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Lead, Travel, Pray. We want to extend a special thank you to author Dale Kreinkamp for being with us on this episode. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at Lead, Travel, Pray. Also, leave us a comment and let us know what you think of this podcast. We love hearing feedback from our listeners. Thanks again and happy 2019.